0: You are now tuned into The Tribe, where we share our passion in reviewing music and give you opinions you didn't ask for. I'm Denzel with my co-host Dylan Marone. Make sure to follow the tempo of our show today. How's everyone doing? This is Denzel here with the Tempo Tribe, um, as well as a very special guest for today, uh, Mr. Robert Matlock. Um, but before I do, I want to introduce my co-host.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, this is Maron. What's good? Welcome to Tempo Tribes. Another fun episode at the new genre of music that we never talk about on this podcast. Very exciting. <laughs> and this is Dylan, aka DJ. Holla at your boy
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> this guy, this guy, this guy. Um, Robert, do you want to share do you want to share any introductory uh, words for the for the audience?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I wish I had a cool little uh what do they call that uh catchphrase or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> um uh yeah, I'm Robert Matlock. I'm a singer, songwriter, and producer, and I'm also the uh, vocalist, uh producer and uh, songwriter for the band Cantervice. Oh, welcome to
0: good stuff good stuff okay so before we dive a little bit more into what's what's going on with like giving your whole background everything in revolve revolving your band as well as like being a vocalist as well as producer i want to kind of give a little bit of an introduction what's been going on lately in this world and just kind of give everyone a little their feet a little wet so we got to talk about monkeypox first of all like what like what the hell is going on like we just like we just dealt with covid and now we're now we have another like upcoming pandemic like as of recently i think the director of the World Health Organization said this is declared a public health emergency of international concern.
2: Oh man, I feel here we go again, man, right? <laughs> oh shit. Here we go Let again. Go again. Yeah. I mean, luckily this one's not
1: aerosolized, right? Like this is contact, skin to skin, cheek to cheek, uh transmission. So it's certain populations, but yeah, it's not as bad as COVID was. But it's still it's, it's a shame Denzel for sure. Like it's people gotta we gotta get to stay sterilized, stay clean, bro. I don't know.
3: So Marone, what you're saying is, be careful with who you slap skins with. Oh. <laughs> got you, got you. Okay. okay. I
0: mean, sure. it's like it's the same thing For we've sure. always been doing. You know, follow those public health measures, wash your hands, be careful. I'm I'm a little worried about like you know when the COVID came out and like a lot of people were very discriminatory towards people who are Chinese. I feel like that same thing is going to happen to people to men who have sex with men, you know, gay, bisexual men. It's it's going to be very interesting because you're already kind of seen it. You know, people are assuming, oh, because you're gay or bisexual or a man who has sex with men, you're going to get you're going to have monkeypox. So it's already that conversation started to open up. It's like, what the
1: Yeah, Aids is like 40 years ago. Like, I think people I think this generation is a little bit smarter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What do you what do you think, Robert?
2: dude i didn't even know about this thing until like <laughs> yesterday yeah <laughs> like i keep myself in a little cocoon man um that's a smart idea you know? so i'm see. like way less informed like i didn't even like understand the transmission until you just talked about it right there i was like oh crap man it's gonna be like droplets again or something like that six feet um you know it was actually pretty discombobulating when i was like reading into the disease and i was like the symptoms just spe- seemed like, like smallpox junior or whatever just another mm-hmm. version of smallpox i was like oh shit this is serious you know if it's super Super transmissible, you know. We got lucky with COVID, like super transmissible, but like relatively mild symptoms unless you, you know, kind of had a compromised immune system. So I was like, smallpox with easy transmission. Oh God! But you know, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's as bad regarding transmission. So, yeah, Denzel, you're public
1: health, so you'll let us know if it gets too serious, right? Uh, yeah,
2: yeah maybe, can... maybe I will. Give us the I'll, scoop. I'll,
0: I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I guess moving on to an- another topic, we got to talk about what happened in Dallas Love Field. And, and so, actually, Dylan, I wanted to ask you this because, you know, your little brother was coming back to Dallas. Did he end up on the Love Field when he got back? When yeah, he
3: man. To- he actually left right before that shooting happened. <laughs> right before the shooting Okay, because I, I was going to hit
0: him up or something because I was thinking about it. like, wait, isn't he flying back to Dallas? Yeah. So, let me start a real quick story about this. So, long story short. I had a friend who hit me up and she was like, oh, I'm about to fly out to San Antonio. I was like, all right, whoops, well, it's good, it's good. She's like, okay, she's like, fuck no, never mind." I was like, wait, what happened? She's like, there's a lady who's like shooting in the Dallas Love Field Air Force. And I was like, mm. what the fuck? And this was like that Monday we flew back this past weekend from, from Rolling mm. Loud. And I was like, what the fuck? So long story short, everyone, a woman was acting suspicious mentioning like stuff, about, prior to the shooting, she was acting super suspicious, mentioning stuff about her marriage, incarceration, as well as like blowing up the facility and she was like a 37 year old woman she went into the bathroom came out with shooting shots at the ceiling multiple shots um shortly after she got shot by the police officer she wasn't killed which is uh, very surprising um it happened around like 11 a.m and it was like this past monday and it was just and it hit like national news like that it was insane to hear about that yeah yeah shooting in an airport
1: i was surprised that there wasn't like i mean security she didn't go through security as she was in the in the in the int- entrance area right. Like she entrance the bathroom, area, yeah. So, I think it was f- I, the messed up thing was the first headline I saw was like a woman claiming to be Chris Brown's wife has shot up a <laughs> field to airport.
3: Oh, bro, we gonna talk like, about Chris Brown? We gonna loop Chris Brown in this? Car? Bro, it was <laughs> a headline. It was like a legit Man, headline. Gonna be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, it was no. incredible.
1: This is this is, I mean, airport security works, I guess, but yeah, Denzel, you're asking how will TSA respond? I don't really. know. I mean, do we need like do we need do we need to have a what do you call it, like um security at like the front before they even go through security? like do we need double layer security or like, we well need... that's what i'm
0: saying i think Full it's I, I, that's my I, my question was really like you know with tsa you know yeah. because of 9-11 that's why tsa became so stringent now on security mm-hmm. it's interesting to see that now even beyond the security barrier you're seeing shit happening so that's gonna it's gonna open up conversation down the line thing with tsa either improving their security i don't know it Making it more intense to get inside. I don't know. Like that's why I really right. think it's gonna happen. I mean, now Dallas Love Field Airport's like on a on a radar. You know what I'm saying? Like people were. You saw videos of people literally running into like those those in betweens to hide from this person. It was like that's that's crazy. Like just trying to leave your flight or get to a flight. It's crazy.
1: It's not like a mental case. Like she wasn't really trying to hurt nobody. Like yeah. So I say for yeah. yeah, but
0: it is what it is. Um, okay. Then moving on to the last thing. That uh, to a more positive note. Uh, Let's talk about Rolling Loud Miami real quick, man. So disclaimer to you, Robert Amarone, we went. me and Dylan just came back from Miami this past weekend. Um, We went to Rolling Loud, which is one of the biggest hip hop festivals in the world. We got to see some notable artists. We got to see King Kendrick Lamar, of course, you know, the man of the hour. We got to see future. We got to see some people didn't get enough set set time uh, for unfortunate reasons other people brought out interesting characters on stage (laughs) a multitude of things happened um bacon bitch was involved and we'll talk a little bit about that (laughs) in a second but
3: bacon bitch is a Maron, you already know uh bacon (laughs) bitch is a a brunch spot that is open from 8 a.m 6 a.m to 6 p.m and all the waitresses are women They all love to shake their ass. They all love to dance. They all love to bring out some shots. Yeah. You know, wave the fans a little bit. It's shot of the clock. So they pretty much hand shots out to everybody in the damn place. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's wild. Yeah. They're, they're really trying to get us drunk and, uh, let us make us make bad decisions like buy some bacon bitch cups. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's an inside joke, but, uh, yes, uh, Miami was very wild uh, while we were waiting in line for bacon, bitch. Uh, I damn near had a heat stroke <laughs> and I needed some water. So they made us wait in the line outside for like two hours. They weren't serving water. Everyone was hot. So I don't know. Yeah, but uh, yes, rolling live was great. Cuddy walked off the stage early because they were throwing bottles at him because People were sad that Ye wasn't coming on, but then Ye ended up coming on during Lil Durk's set, who was performing at the same time as Cuddy. So yeah, it was just all it was just all bad. And uh, and okay. so you gonna you gonna tell the people about Future? Oh yes,
0: Future set was pretty pretty chill. I liked it. He brought out uh, Mr. He brought out Lil Durk and Mr. Uh, Travis Scott, and the crowd went insane. It went from 100% okay. to 5,000%. Um, and it was like I think it was a way to kind of put him back slowly into the concert scene and put him back into headlighting festivals and this man Future commented it's like you never lived <laughs> to the <this laughs> whole crowd and this man Travis was smiling so hard man this man was excited was. to be back he looked so happy he was
1: like yes Robert, you can... are you aware the last time that Travis Scott had a concert, what happened?
2: Yeah, that uh, <laughs> what was that down in uh, San Antonio or was... Uh, Houston, it was Houston. Houston. Houston? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the last thing I've heard from Travis Scott. I thought, you know, like it's gonna be really hard for him to kind of get back in because he was getting the blame for all that thing, mm-hmm. uh, everything that happened. I um, mean, you know, I didn't know too much about it. I didn't read too much into it. I just knew there was a lot of controversy surrounding him.
3: Yeah, it's the first, I believe it's the first, uh, Denzel and Murron, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's the first appearance from Travis Scott at like a major music festival since Astrofest, right?
0: I mean, he's performed recently, like he did a little show in Coney Island, but it wasn't nothing like this. It, like this is like his first like show he's been back. It's like been a, a really big major, like a show he used to headline like last year.
4: hmm.
3: All right.
0: So it'll be very interesting to see how he how it goes from here, and it'll be interesting to see if he go, if he continues with his promise to you know do all those things he
1: was saying with the project right. Heal,
0: and Ron's shaking his head if y'all, y'all <laughs> well, can't see this man.
1: It's like hell no, no vigorous. No. He's not gonna change. Yeah, you- but he was. had that
0: interview with Charlemagne,
3: man. That means it's true.
1: Yo, so I heard that uh, I heard
2: y'all went to the beach. Well, how was that? <laughs> Beautiful.
3: The beach was very nice. We didn't have too much time to get uh, look at the beach, but it was very nice to experience it for. That little time that we had,
0: beautiful as always, man. Beautiful as always. All right, so I think it is time to get into this. So it is time to check the rhyme. At this point, the check.
2: It's time to check the rhyme. Soundtrack could be going and be like doing the dance. So I'll add it later. Swifty transition, right now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a
0: cool transition. Like it's like it's well, it's 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 a tribe called Quest. It's like check the rhyme, y'all. (laughs) Dr. <laughs> yo! I'm doing it right now. I'm doing the fucking transition.
2: Um, we need to get, a, need to right. get a production team in here. ASAP, <laughs> Honestly, man. at this
0: point, no, I'll put I'll put it in post. It's okay. It'll be post put it in post. Oh, okay. okay, for sure, for sure. All right, all right, for all right. Sure. But I do want to formally I do want to formally introduce you, Robert Matlock, um, to today's today's interview for today. So we're really gonna be focusing, the topic for today is about the music industry and I thought who who better to talk about the music industry is as someone who just recently got into a very notable record label, by the way, which is really big. Congratulations to you.
4: Thanks, man. That's, that's insanity,
0: it. like, like insanity, like crazy stuff. Um, but Robert, like, let's start like talking about some background information give us some background information about yourself like man
2: my name is robert matlock um you know i'm 28 years old i'm from you know the dfw area in texas yes sir kind of just been a nomad for like my entire life so like i grew up in a small town called ferris um you know long story short you know a couple divorces with the (laughs) the parents and that kind of thing moved around a lot um, you know, went everywhere from like Dallas to Plano and then ended up going to Saxy, you know, Denzel yes, right? <laughs> yeah. when I was uh, 13 in seventh grade. Um, that's where I met Denzel and a lot of other yes, my sir. inner circle of friends, Kevin, Danny, you know, Uriel and all them. Um, you know, then uh, graduated high school through there, moved out to Mesquite, you know, and then uh, I don't know, somewhere in there, I just really started getting into music and um Mm -hmm, you know i remember this i didn't yeah and i think that was towards the end of high school i was getting into like you know those heavier bands like asky alexandria and uh you know like memphis mayfire and all Mm -hmm. them so i just started like screaming in the car you like driving (laughs) on the way home from work (laughs) you know and that's actually kind of like what sparked my musical drive i guess um you know so i was just screaming you know all the time i did like those covers on youtube Uh, (laughs) you know um But yeah, and then, um, you know, in and out of a couple smaller bands, it really didn't go anywhere just as a screamer. Mm. Um, I found songwriting. I kind of just started from the ground up, Um, just writing everything on my computer, basically making beats before making beats was a thing, I guess. (laughs) Um, So like, you know, there's a bunch of like virtual instruments, like drums and guitars, and I kind of just learned from the ground up how to build songs up. And then eventually I wanted to, you know, start a rock project. Um, you know I could stop right here take a little breather here I know I'm kind of just <laughs> rambling on here <laughs> no no this is all good information man of course
1: <laughs> actually I had a quick question so you kind of stumbled on what I was thinking about so how did you like think, listening to your music now that you have on Spotify how did you form your sound and like what was your inspiration
2: yeah so initially so with actually it kind of started with Vice. so back in like 2015-2016 Uh, me and a friend he's like a mostly a guitarist we kind of got together and we're like we should make a band that's exactly like old Lincoln Park you know nobody's doing that right (laughs) nobody's doing that right now and I was like yeah let's do that and then we just kind of sat there for like a year and did nothing with it (laughs) Uh, you know we both lost interest we both went kind of our separate ways we're still great friends but we kind of just went completely different journeys um you know and then um I kind of like kick started Cantervice back up. I want to say in like 2019, I just started mm-hmm. like kind of forming a collection of songs. I didn't actually plan on releasing any of them. I just kind of started building up the sound for Cantervice kind of thing and bringing in all the other influences. Um, you know, and then I want to say late 2020, uh, that's when like I decided to go and release something. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to release my best song that I've written so far. It's called Void. Um, so dropped that as like kind of a solo act in, uh, 2021, January. And the response I got from that was like way better than I thought it was. Like, I thought I was just going to release <laughs> it. It's just going to be out there. People can see what I can do musically and it's, you know, going to get a few hundred streams and you know, that kind of thing. Um, but the, you know, like in the first month it was like at like 50,000 streams Ooh. or something like that, nice. like with no promotion, no marketing, <laughs> nice. I was like, all right, we might actually have something here. Hopefully let's see how it goes. Um, So I kind of, that's when I really started doing the experimentation, bringing in all these weird sounds um, that you kind of hear with like the latest track Doomsday. I don't know if you've gotten to listen to that yet, but like starting to bring in all these other influences and really kind of honing on what that canterized sound is going to be, you know, because now it's, you know, there's those elements of like bring me the horizon, like some people called it, compared it to Ramstein, like, which I can kind of see like the industrial vibes, like the verses and stuff. Um, I'm kind of just bringing in all my Musical flavors. And kind of this is just my Frankenstein of a creation of all of my inspirations.
0: (laughs) You know what's in? Oh. I'm sorry you know what's interesting Robert about that Ramstein reference I saw I looked up your your band name I, I looked up vice on YouTube at one point I saw like this guy put the video of it is it's vice the new Ramstein I was like wait what this is I actually great. haven't seen that video yeah if you type it on if you look on YouTube like there's a guy who like does a review of you of Doomsday I believe one of your songs anyways but he compares it to like Ramstein or something
2: oh wow okay I gotta check that out it was very really interesting <laughs>
1: clout I love it yeah man it just gave me like anime AMV vibes
2: yeah dude and I like and that i think that just kind of bringing them a little bit my like my gamer influence that kind of like has been flavored mm-hmm. in there because i you know listen to a lot of video game music um like cell dweller like who's actually the owner of my record label like he has his music featured in a bunch of video games and trailers and stuff nice. like that and he's been a huge influence on kind of like building up that kind of meshing electronic with rock and stuff
0: very nice very nice um Robert, you—I I think we already mentioned to say you are the vocalist for the band uh, Cantervice. Mm-hmm. How long? I—I I know you, and I know you kind of touched upon it like through your background this information, but could you give me like how long would you say you've been the vocalist for? And then my other question would be, do you play any other instruments other than just be a vocal, other than vocalist?
2: Yeah, so like I guess the whole vocalist thing, yeah, you know, like I said, started like late high school, just screaming in the car. Um, I started singing probably a few years later. I was okay. you know terrible at it at first still kind of terrible now um but (laughs) um (laughs) yes sir wait what was the second part of that question oh no no you're good good. no you're good it's been a a long day man hey it has been a
0: long day (laughs) trust me on that one um do you play any other instruments
2: yeah so um a little bit of guitar a little bit of piano. so, the way I write everything for Canterize, like I said, all kind of like in the box on the computer. So, I like I write everything in something called MIDI. I don't know if any of you guys have heard what of MIDI. MIDI yeah. Is. Yeah. All right. So, basically, it's just like, yeah, laying down the musical information on like a piano timeline, mm-hmm. you know, and then that runs, that information runs through virtual instruments that kind of like, you know, it turns it into a guitar, it turns it to a drums, it, you know, that's kind of just how it, you know, it sounds way more complicated than it actually is. But, um, you know, getting into that, I pour probably, a good six months to a year just learning how all that stuff worked which is funny I was like I probably could have just spent all that time learning how to play guitar really well <laughs> um but I don't know I think that was actually a better investment of time it's now I can actually make full orchestrations you know what's going on in my head I can just lay that down real quick as opposed nice. to you know just only writing a guitar part only writing a drum part um so I think it's been really rewarding actually just spending my time you know investing that solely in learning how to do it on the computer
0: so in terms of bands, like, could you, would you like to name some of the previous bands you were in? Because I know earlier in the background uh, conversation, you were talking about that.
2: Yeah, so probably the main one, it was a band called Create the Cure. Um, yeah, you know, I like kind of like one, a general yeah. mellowcore kind of post-hardcore band. Uh, eventually, we changed our name to Humanikin. Yeah, and there was a couple other ones um, before that. Um Gosh, I can't even hardly. Remember. There was one more like we had like five practices, and that's all that band ever ended up being. And I can't even remember the name of that band anymore. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, so I think really, it's really just yeah, Create the Cure slash Mannequin. I think that's the only other band that I ever took seriously.
1: You just how would you form these bands? Like you just had right, you know random people around you, like yeah, are you trying
2: to? <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, so joining Create the Cure, uh, it's not a band I actually formed. It's a, a I posted an ad like a vocalist ad on Craigslist. <laughs> that was back when that was like actually a thing like if you wanted to find people to form a band with you put an ad on craigslist about your your skills or whatever
4: mm-hmm. and then
2: like they found my youtube channel where i was doing like you know kind of screaming covers and they were like yeah dude we'd love to fill that position in our band or whatever you know and that's just kind of how that ship sailed hmm. and then uh, with canter you know kind of just started as a solo project um you know when i started taking it more seriously once i started kind of seeing how it was gaining traction i was like all right i'll actually form a band so i reached out to my um old friend of mine uh, named tim walker he's a you know really solid drummer and he was like really interested in helping me with things with the back end of things you know running marketing and promotion and all that good stuff and then he already had a couple other friends who were interested so i basically got this full band package you know like all set to go you know guys who had good gear you know had live experience, live experience, you know. So it was pretty cool, just kind of getting the full band package out of nowhere. And I'm like, all right, you know, got a full band now <laughs> without even really having to try. That's super awesome. And then
0: in regards to the name Cantrevise, wh- where did you get the name from? Because that's a very unique name, man.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's literally a made up word. It's not even like you wouldn't be able to find in the dictionary. And the uh, huh. it kind of is basically like an anagram <laughs> of a bunch of different names that me and my friend um back in like 2015 when we were starting that Lincoln Park kind of thing. <laughs> um you know, that's kind of like what that came from. So I was like I had like a whole list of names and we just started putting like a bunch of words together and like Cantervice just kind of came out of that and I was like that sounds pretty sick, <laughs> you know. You know. At least I thought it was cool. No, but, it's a cool uh, name, man. It's really it was like a made-up word. So I'm like, all right. So this kind of opens the door to kind of give meaning to that name.
3: Uh, Robert, I wanted to ask you, I listened to Void and uh, The Machine uh, more specifically. I wanted to ask you more about the lyrical content in your music, because it seems like it very much covers like societal pressures and uh, government control on an individual. So uh, could you talk more about that?
2: Oh, absolutely. So... Yeah, I think like the whole core concept of Canterville just kind of came with my love of dystopian like sci-fi. Oh, nice. Um, so nice. like nineteen eighty four, uh, V for oh, Vendetta. Yeah.
3: Nice. Um, yes. so
2: I kind of want to like implement that musically into it and it's not like it hasn't ever been done before but it's just something I was like all right that'd be like really cool you know kind of take this in that direction you know a lot of it's just a lot of my little views kind of trickled in there <laughs> like society we're kind of at, like at a point where we always you know choose security over freedom you know that kind of thing we'll surrender all of our privacy for just you know some kind of personal gain, basically mm-hmm. um you know I think like social pressures kind of you know cause that to happen he's like you know Mm -hmm. when you're signing up for facebook you don't want to be like left out you know all your friends and family they're all on facebook so yeah you're totally willing to sign up for that and then sign up for tiktok and then just you know agree to terms and conditions and there goes your privacy for the rest of your life you know and then kind of taking that a step further And just seeing like how signing that away, you know, allows these corporations who pretty much run the world, you know, basically like the governments are run by corporations, you know, Mm -hmm. through lobbying and, you know, they get their corporations get what they want out of the government. It's not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Um, But they kind of use like all that data to use your own human nature against you more or less like to get you to spend your time doing things that they want you to do, as opposed to kind of just creating your own individualism you know, and kind of doing things that, you know, interest you. <clears throat> um, but they kind of just you, take advantage of the human nature and kind of use it for financial and political game, basically.
1: I like that messaging, Matt uh, Robert, I wanted to I want to put I want to ask, uh, kind of push on this real quick. So you used to be an independent artist, right? Until recently? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so do, do you feel like you're joining a corporation by signing to a major deal? Or do you, do you feel like your messaging is going to be affected? Or do you feel any kind yeah. of dissonance?
2: yeah kind of before like that's actually why i wanted to stay as an independent artist Mm -hmm. i think it was just really just all the conversations i've had with fix and more specifically james road he's the vp of there okay like it's really just a partnership at the end of the day you know like uh, a lot of people are saying oh you're just saying that you're on a label but no it's like it's it's very mutual and they're really like helping us push that and they haven't even tried to like remotely like push us in a different direction or like oh you can't say that you can't do this can't do that like At the end of the day, they're just giving us another, you know, they have a huge fan base, huge following, you know, fix Mm -hmm. their fans are just fantastic, Um, you know, and they're kind of just pushing us towards them, you know, and kind of showing our music to them. I mean, they push us in a whole bunch of different directions just to get our message out there. So at the end of the day, it's a very mutual agreement. And like, I couldn't be happier being on the label.
1: So it's like a beneficial platform for you. Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Nice. And they have yeah. good morals. They have good moral compasses, like all the employees over there. Like they're just oh, all really good. good people. That's awesome. That's, good. that's yeah. good to
3: hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. That's
0: good because I feel like a lot of the times when you hear about the music industry, at least from our... I, if I can say for the group, like an our standpoint, whenever it comes to a lot of music deals, at least I've seen through interviews and music stuff, like there's always like a struggle, like oh they won't let me release this because of this or X, Y, and Z. So it's really good mm-hmm. to hear that that your music label is very like supporting of what you do and your freedom to be uh, to to be an artist to do what you want to do.
2: Oh yeah, um, absolutely. And they always have great feedback. Like I'll okay. like send them, hey, what do you guys think of this song? And they'll give you feedback, but we have the ability to override that feedback. Oh, okay. Um, which I actually usually end up going with it because they actually have some good points to make. Like a lot of the time, when it comes to like the songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that we have that ability to override that, I mean, that's literally in our, you know, contract. For example. Oh, awesome. <laughs> you I know, um, like you know, that's just couldn't be happier with that agreement.
1: Did you get a lawyer for that contract?
2: Um, we were actually thinking about it but, because, like, me and Tim were the only ones that actually kind of went over the contract. The other two guys, they more so function as kind of like a live band aspect. Okay. Whereas me and Tim are actually on the agreement. We've read over it for a good week, um, going through it word for word over and over. And we actually just ended up signing it. Um, you know, We threw it to a couple of friends who've been in the industry, have been on multiple labels. Um, you oh, know, they gosh. didn't really raise any concerns with it. And they were like, Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. You know, it's not like a 60 page contract that we got, you know, it was like a 10-page contract and like five of it you can just kind of glaze over because it was didn't really have anything to do with the agreement. It was more so just laying out numbers and stuff mm-hmm. and liabilities. Um, but it was like really straight it. to the point. Like it didn't really seem like, you know, they were trying to screw us by any means.
0: And then I guess another question I want to ask, like as someone who isn't super familiar how you, uh, about the music industry, like I know bits and pieces about how it works and stuff like that. Give us like a brief, can you give us a brief story of how you ended up with fixed music? Because it's kind of, it still blows my mind to this day, man. Like I'm I'm listening, I'm here thinking about like, wait, like this, like I listened to Seldor growing up in like middle school and then this my friend is like signed to the guy it's label so that's kind of my point to
2: hear so I,
4: right. i'm
0: sorry i, I, I sound like I'm, I'm gaslighting to i mean like i'm like i'm writing writing the coattails but I'm, I'm for real this is insane <laughs> no and
2: no, then that's kind of like the same kind of view i had of is like yeah I grew up listening to like cell dweller and blue stolly who was on the label for the longest mm-hmm. and you know even a couple of artists that are on there now like the annex like i was jamming all these artists um but no like they actually um are available for like cold pitching um oh, they're man. on a website called There's... label radar um there's a bunch of record labels on there that you can just pitch your band to like pitch your band to various record labels um and apparently we were kind of already on their radar um because like like you can go to like our videos like the older ones for like the machine before we were signed and stuff and like see comments they're like this sounds like a fixed band or something like that so we were already kind of getting that and i guess that it kind of crossed their radar at some point too um you know, so they were like, oh, yeah, we already kind of know about you guys. Hey, let's set up a, a talk, you know, and then it kind of just, you know, we had a bunch of meetings over the following weeks and then eventually led to us receiving a contract after it.
3: What's uh, one thing you've learned about the music industry that like the common person wouldn't know?
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a hard one is like, <laughs> I don't know, I guess for me, maybe I was just in the dark, but until like I actually joined like Create the Cure um, and um, I didn't even know like artists like collaborated or like there were artists out there who just straight up didn't write their own music like i was like completely mm. mind blown by
4: that
2: i don't know how i was that naive and didn't know about that but like but like it's like such a big thing like in the music industry like wow. um you know because at the time uh, when i was going to create the cure um had some mutual friends with um this guy named david southern his uh band the white noise was on fearless at the time and we were just having a ca- casual conversation. He's like, oh yeah, that band doesn't even write their own music. And I was like, when I got hit with that fact, I was like, wait a minute, what people- <laughs> Really? The white noise <laughs> that- doesn't? No, not the white noise, like the bands he was like oh, re- oh, referring okay, to. Okay. Um, he, re- he was like, yeah, that band doesn't even write their own music. And I was like, wait a minute, they don't do that? <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and it's crazy, you know? And I think there was, God, I forgot this TV show, what it was called, but there's this show going on right now um, where like indie artists can like play their music um in front of judges or something like that.
4: Oh, what is it called?
2: <sighs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But like me and my girlfriend, we were just going to these artists. I'm like, and I was listening to some of the songs. I'm like, there's no way in hell that they wrote that. <laughs> and I would go on Spotify, and that's the great thing about Spotify. It's super transparent. Yep, you can just go to everything. the credits. I'm like their name isn't even on the writers list there's six ah. people on here their name is not on how are they on a songwriting competition
4: <laughs>
2: i guess ignorance is bliss i don't know i hate that fact but i guess you know yeah. just some people just don't have songwriting them they just want to focus on being an artist developing their brand and like i totally get it um you know uh, but i don't know just that fact is just kind of always mind-blowing me a bit
1: so do you would you ever ghost write for anyone like oh
2: yeah oh yeah so like through the pandemic i actually transferred to like a full-time songwriting position oh nice wow
3: yeah so
2: i used a few sites like sound better and fiverr um to kind of generate a kind of a client base or whatever people to work with and i actually was doing songwriting for other like artists and bands usually mostly like vocal writing Mm. um but there was a couple like full songs and stuff like that i did um, but I went full time with that. I was actually having enough clients per month that go full time doing that for a while, wow. nice. Um, you know, and, which was a blessing and a curse. I quickly developed a distaste for music because I, maybe it was just the artist I was working with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I started viewing music in a different light. Um, I, I saw, you know, kind of like the day to day frustrations you have with the job. I was kind of feeling those about music. Um, so like I have to write this part right now or I'm not going to get paid this week I have to do this or you know they want a revision on their song which I don't agree with you know that... <laughs> so you just start getting all those things and you know I quickly realize music is something I'm going to have to keep at arm's length in that regard like writing for other people just because I don't think I enjoy that as much as like writing like Canterbury stuff for example um, it's just not something I found a love for doing as a day job
1: yeah would you, could you ever see yourself getting burnt out by uh, doing the music because this is something that you've turned from a passion to a
2: yeah so with Vice, I still view it as like a passion and a hobby even though we're like we're okay. signed to a label you know there's not a whole lot of pressure though um you know and like I said like they don't really push us to be something that we're not so that's kind of like the issue with like right, working with other artists you know they don't like what you write they want you to do it this way instead of that way um that's kind of where I lose the enjoyment in it Um, But just being our relationship with Fix and, you know, how I handle things with Cantervice, it's just not really an issue.
1: Yeah, just real quick. I was just thinking, um, did you, is it a multi-album deal that you
2: signed? Yeah. So it's a uh, two album deal. So the first one's like a guaranteed album. So you're at least going to get one album out of us on this label. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, the second one's an option. So it's like, Hey, if they like how the first album does, we can do another album basically. Or you can make a playlist and call it an album. Mm, right. Oh,
4: stop. <laughs> well, these
2: like with our contract, it specifically is 10 songs as an album. So, however we go about those 10 songs, it doesn't really matter. We can do two EPs. That's still oh. like two five song EPs. Oh. That's still considered one album so, so on that's the That's all these artists oh. be doing. That. You know, or just, you know, 10 singles in that qualifies as an album, which is oh my, probably I what's going to happen. <laughs> interesting.
0: Yeah, that is very interesting. Oh, interesting. Like some rappers do, huh? Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> See, Den- no,
1: Denzel. Like, so, yeah, go ahead, Robert. No, Robert. no, go ahead. You were going. Now I was going to say, now that we have Robert here, we have an artist here. What is the difference between an LP oh
2: my. and an EP? <laughs> an LP and an EP? Um, I forgot what the acronym actually means. Um, but an LP, yeah, would be, I, might, I think it's just like an album versus an EP, which is like an extended play. I think that's what they call them. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Extended, extended yeah, way. it's typically, you know, a short, a small album. So five yeah. songs is kind of like the average, but it can be four, it can be six, it can be seven. Um, I'm not sure if there's any like technical aspect of that like the specific criteria mm-hmm. um that's a good question though
4: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's in your contract probably absolutely
0: it's very interesting to hear from a perspective of someone who's in the industry because like we we, there's some things that i even assumed about like, oh you know this album must be this this and that but now it's interesting to hear that like oh they have a, you can there's certain album deals that require you to do one to two albums or multiple albums it just really just depends on the on the situation so in like it's 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 kind of like a introspective question. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. But like in five, you know, it's like one of those job application questions. In five to ten years, where do you see yourself? <laughs> That's like my question for you. Like I'm curious, like where do you see yourself? Honestly.
2: Oh man. You know, headlining a festival at Rock, rock and Ring. let hey, That's right. Yeah. Hey,
0: speaking into speaking into existence for, real, for
2: sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, like hundred million monthly listeners on Spotify. That'd be nice. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I don't even think that's possible in rock. You, you today. got like, it the, it. Nah, you got it. Even the top bands right now don't even have like that many. It's it's weird. It's rock's slowly kind of fading now, but I don't know. I think hopefully it'll make a comeback. I feel like you yeah, that kind of like the rap thing is getting a little harder now. So I think that might kind of drive a new interest in rock, or maybe even kind of coming up with like a new hybrid genre between the two, which you're kind of already starting to see happen too. Yeah, Um, Everything's kind of becoming a hybrid with rap these days. Like even Mm -hmm. those country rap songs that are coming out. Uh, (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I've been hearing about that. So, I mean, and, and I've been seeing that too, especially with rock,
0: that the scene's kind of been like it's not dead. I wouldn't say, but it's just it's not listened to as much. Um, other than you have specific bands like Breamer Horizon still killing it. Like every yeah. time they drop a single, and they're like they're growing like immensely. It's crazy how much. Um, but I'm curious, do you think that's what's gonna happen with the rock genre? It's gonna start melding with other sounds and kind of take more of like a different approach to rebuild its audience, or even yeah, like I can totally
2: see that happening. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, it's probably going to have to if it just kind of sticks to it, like its old kind of core self like it's, it needs to evolve. And I think that's kind of where a lot of genres hit like they just don't evolve for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of just leads to that dwindling of, you know, fan base, because people are getting older, they get new music tastes, all the new kids coming in, they're not listening to rock, they're listening to rap. You know, they're jamming Post Malone. They're not jamming bring, or like Breaking Benjamin or something I, like that. I, like, I can't even
0: tell you. I don't even know if it's Post Malone anymore, man. They've yeah, no,
2: to be fair, like even – see, that's just my age showing right there. Like even Post Malone is <laughs> hardly like kind of falling off now.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanted to ask Rob uh, before we let you go, man. Um, where do you record? Did you, did you have a, do you have a studio now or –
2: Yeah, so this is kind of like – I mean you can't see like this side, <laughs> but I have like a – yeah, like speakers and like – um like a doll, like on my computer that I use, and then an interface, you know, an Apollo. And then I just record everything. My microphone's way over there. Um, that's where I record vocals. And then, like, like I said, literally everything is done on my computer, like the guitars, the drums, the bass. And then I send them off to my producer right now, uh, Cam Mizel. Um, and then he's the one who kind of like mixes it all together and gets just the sounds right where they're supposed to be in the mix. And that's really all rice is right now. So it just comes from this computer and it goes to him. He mixes it and then that's oh, how it nice. goes. Nice. Yeah, Production
1: is clean, I want to say, man. Like your music is just, like very professional. It's really good, man.
2: Thanks, yeah. man. It took a long time to get there, but I'm I'm glad I'm finally getting that feedback because like before it was kind of you know split a little bit. <laughs> no, it
3: yeah. definitely sounds really good. Uh I do want to ask you, uh this doesn't have to be the last question, because I'm also trying to get into production myself. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a hobby. So I want to ask you what uh doll you use.
2: Yeah, so I'm using Reaper, which is kind of an outlier of a DAW, that's for sure. I think most people use like um like FL Studio or they'll use mm-hmm. a, um like logic or something. But yeah, mm-hmm. I use Reaper. Nice. You know, and that's actually where I just started recording those vocal covers back in high school on like just kind of like just using it to record a vocal track over an instrumental or something like that. But um, you know, it's just a doll I learned how to use and I don't see myself going anywhere. It does everything I need it to do.
0: And I guess I guess a quick thing, this is like a personal question. When's the album dropping though? No. (laughs) Are you allowed to tell me that? If you're not No,
2: absolutely not. No, it's uh <laughs> No, it's 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 TBD right now, you know. Um, you know, I think we're going to release probably a good handful of singles before we mm-hmm. even start talking about an album. Um so we might go as far as like releasing like 6-7 singles and then kind of just releasing an album from there with like an additional few songs. Um but we're definitely going to keep the singles kind of rolling, so like you'll see probably another one um like September. October. And then you'll probably get another one like the next month and then the next month and then, you know, keep on going from there. I think that's like the path we want to take with that. I was gonna say if you see Robert get into some crazy controversy, all of a
1: sudden you know Ooh. that album Rollouts. Was... <laughs> <laughs> else I wanted to ask, like, so when you say
2: you are releasing the music, I guess you're mainly doing Spotify, but
1: like, has did you ever use Spotify or um, SoundCloud? I don't know if we ever asked you that.
2: Yeah, our music's on SoundCloud actually, just because like you know some people you know they don't get into Spotify, they don't like it or whatever. So I just want the music to be accessible to everybody, so you can just listen to it to free on SoundCloud. You know, as long as people are listening to the songs, I don't care. Nice
1: oh because do you go on tours and stuff like are you touring or are you doing-
2: oh no so we don't really have any plans to tour uh, it's just not financially it just doesn't financially make sense really for smaller bands even bigger bands are having to kind of fall off um oh, like really? the price of gas is going down so that would be a little yeah. easier for bands to start touring again a lot mm-hmm. of bands are falling off because of that
4: wow. um
2: but um you know it's just it's really hard to you know, at least kind of stay at a baseline when you're on tour financially. Like you can't even break even a lot of the times, unless you're really drawing. And we're just not at that point yet, where we're gonna, you know, sell out a 500 cat venue or a thousand cat venue or et cetera, et cetera. Like we might get like two people per city right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Would you? Would you consider doing like for now like a local like local shows like in the time being? Yeah, no,
2: we really do want to do a few, you know, just for fun, man. Yeah, we all have, we all have that in us, you know, we just want to play shows at the end of the day like for fun, you know, as we really enjoy that and I really enjoy that I miss being on stage. Um, but yeah, we're looking again to some local shows hopefully by the end of the year, probably like later fall. That's kind of what we want to do I and can. maybe even see we're, tr- we're trying to make connections right now with like Uh, promoters and stuff we'd love to get on some festivals and stuff but it's just really hard because we don't really have that kind of uh, track record yet
1: could you see yourself like opening up for a bigger band one day
2: oh yeah absolutely and like believe it or not that's actually not so hard to do like you'll see a lot of smaller local bands i don't know if you go to like any rock shows or anything like that but um sometimes you'll see really small bands like opening up for you know um who's coming into town like at the end of the year like attack attack you know like they're coming in like later this year and I know they're probably going to have a couple locals on there. Um, you know, that might be a show we might try to go for too. Like that'd I be can. fun.
4: Gosh.
0: Hell yeah. Good stuff, Robert. Well, Robert, I won't hold you on for much longer and much longer. I do appreciate everything that you've done. This interview was amazing. Um, you killed that shit. in uh, in lack of in lack of better terms is that the right is that the right saying or am i saying wrong yes yes (laughs) yeah okay good shit fuck yeah um but no i do want to say thank you for everyone for listening to this episode of the tempo tribe podcast um make sure you follow up on our socials we got the twitter and instagram at tempo underscore tribe as well as our tiktok which is going to be at tempo tribe um i'm denzel and i'm here with
1: this is Maron. um Very glad to have you on this show, Robert. Um, I'm a huge Incubus fan, so
2: your music made me smile for sure. That's oh, I love it. Incubus. Thank you, man. I appreciate that.
3: And uh, this is Dylan, aka DJ. Remember to always do what makes you happy and listen to Cantervice. <laughs> Robert's shit is good. Robert hey. shit is real good. <laughs> I'll be following for sure.
1: Robert, oh yeah, Robert. When you, you you sign out too, man. Let us know if they can find you and all that.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah put the socials in, yeah. man. Yeah, so pretty much it's just everything's at Cantervice. Like we were able to secure those pretty <laughs> oh, yeah. easily with it being a made-up word. <laughs> so that was pretty easy. <laughs> so just, you know, Instagram at Cantervice, you know, Facebook, Cantervice, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, Spotify, Cantervice. Uh, we got three songs that right now, Void, and The Machine, Doomsday. A lot of good stuff there that I hope people will enjoy. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Like, I really appreciate this. This was awesome.
0: Of course, anytime. Thanks for having yeah.